You guys know you have some pretty amazing pastors, don't you? Come on, give it up for your pastors. So, for real. We're honored to be here. Uh, I'm, my name's Eric Porter, as he said, and I'm the uh, captain of the Porter team right here. Okay, so last service, I got more laughs on that because, see, my wife's not here, and so I can say that, right? But if she was here, it'd be co-captain. And uh, um, so we have four biological kiddos. We have two adopted. I'll let you figure out which ones are which in that picture. See, now you're with me. Okay, there we go. I did bring one with me. Our youngest, Hallie, is in your kids' church right now. So she's hanging with Dad and on a little trip. And you guys have a beautiful area. We live in Dallas, and it's just different here than it is there. And it's so beautiful. Uh, and uh, we're honored to be in your guys' neck of the woods in your backyard. But we were, we were local pastors for 12 years before we started doing this 10 years ago. And as local pastors, um, we, we made a lot of phone calls. We were in a large church before we came into this space. And... Um, uh, a large church, mega church, just means a lot more phone calls to the child abuse hotline. You see, we had a lot of children who and youth who were uh, from the community attending our church trying to seek hope. And we found out on that journey they were being beaten, abused, or abandoned. Stories like a little girl who was being beaten with a cane by her father because she didn't make straight A's. A child put in a dryer for punishment. Uh, cigarette butts put out on their arms, um, you know, electric cables uh, used on their, on their bodies. A little newborn left for dead in a dumpster at a local business. Guys, I'm not talking about kids on the other side of the world. I'm talking about kids in our own backyard. And I didn't even see this. And I, I'm making all these phone calls and I'm just wondering, God, why am I calling the government uh, to hand off a child who's hurting to find healing? Isn't that the church's job? What is the church's role in this storyline? And then I started digging. I realized there's 140 million orphans in the world. I kind of heard that before. But I didn't know that there are over 400,000 kids in U.S. foster care. And of those, 100,000 of those ready for adoption. I didn't know all that stuff. Bible college, seminary. They didn't talk about it. 12 years of full-time church ministry. No one was talking about it. I was like, well, what, what is the solution? How can we, the church, help? And, and with 400,000 kids, and God was like, I got you. And I'm like, good, because I'd like to know. And he goes, look, there's 350,000 churches. You see the math? If every church found one family to foster or adopt, there would be a day where there's more families waiting on children than children waiting on families. Let's talk about South Carolina. Let's talk about your backyard here. 3,900 children in, in uh, South Carolina's foster care. Eight, or 579 children ready for adoption. Again, good news, 7,700 churches. Now, you guys are like double almost. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a lot more churches than, than most places per, per kid in foster care. Texas, for example, 31, everything's bigger in Texas, right? 31,000 kids in foster care. 31,000. 27,000 churches. You see the numbers? Like, man, it makes me want to like, I see the beach, I see the trees, I see the people, I see the numbers. I'm like, let's move here and we could figure this thing out. You know what I'm saying? Like more churches, man, if we can get them moving. So, so again, going back to our family, you know, we're just trying to figure out, okay, well, where does that start? And, and we thought God wanted us to adopt personally. So we prayed, we fasted, we read this book and, and uh, found out a lot of that information. 
and we decided on a, on a Thursday at the end of a fast that we were going to adopt. But my wife thought it'd be fun on that Friday to take a pregnancy test. And surprise, uh, number four, Hallie, that you see right there. She'll be 10 in November, so you can do the math right there, okay? Um, and uh, But God just, man, he, was, he put some stuff inside of us that he was like, okay, uh, it wasn't just a personal calling. It was a professional calling, a priestly calling. I was like, okay, what are you, what are you talking about? He said, I want you to leave the ministry that you've been doing for 12 years and full-time at the, at the local church, and I want you to go start something new. <laughs> uh, okay, so the God, you know, like, um, we have a number four on the way. She's in her third trimester. Um, wh- where am I going to go? I'll tell you later. What, what am I going to do? I'll tell you later. How are we paying for the bills? I got you. Okay. All right. So September 14th, 2011, we made that blind step of faith. And then God started showing us the, the path and the plan that you're going to see here. And in that journey, he said, I want you to create this ministry back at Orphans. You heard the vision. The mission is the church. We believe the church is the hero, not us. Okay, We're here to serve the local church. We believe uh, the church was, is, and will always be the solution to the world's greatest problems. Okay, That's us. That's all of us. What God has done in the last 10 years with this vision is he's, he's helped us equip a thousand church or a hundred churches and we've engaged thousands of churches. We've helped a thousand hurting children find healing homes, engage government in five states. We've even seen 90 days with no child waiting in our county. What? Guys, that's because all these churches, regardless of their non or denomination, are, are linking arms together to try to figure out how they can help these children. And in our church, where my family is attending this morning, we saw in two years, 133 children fostered and 200 adopted. And since 2013, our church has fostered almost 500 kids and adopted 70 in one church. Guys, we got this. The church has got this, okay? So let's start putting the pieces together, okay? So September 14th, we made the blind step of faith. October 20th, he gave us this little napkin moment, right? So six weeks later, he's like, now I'll show you the plan. And so you'll see this little graphic. It shows that all the kids in the far left need to get into those homes in the far right. Psalm 68, uh, 5 and 6 says, God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows, and he puts the lonely in institutions, no, it's not institutions, but sometimes I think a man-made solution that really started here with the U.S. was institutional care. And we feel like that's the solution. Well, I'm here to tell you and report to you that around the globe, orphanages, institutional cares are closing down or they're, or they're pivoting. Because the studies are showing that that's actually causing more trauma on these kids. It's not bringing the healing that they hoped for. And the better model for them is to get a home model where there's a mom and a dad caring for them in a home. It's amazing to me that the smart people studies are catching up to the scripture. Right? That was God's plan all alone. And God was like, hey, so I want you to work with all these different groups like government. And I'm like, whoa, what? Okay, because God, there's like this line in the sand, you know what I'm saying? And I is church, and they is state, and we just kind of like, you know, play our parts. He's like, do you, play ta- do you pay taxes? I'm like, yeah, then you're both. And I'm like, okay. He goes, I want you to walk a mile in their shoes. You know, for, for, uh, in child welfare, sometimes the media highlights the lowlights of child welfare. 
But it comes to other groups that do great things in our community, like firefighters, they highlight the highlights. And that's the way it should be, I believe. I think, uh, let's highlight their highlights, because nobody's perfect. We're all human. For every child welfare worker that doesn't do their job correctly, I could find you a Christian who doesn't do their job correctly. For every child welfare worker that hits the local news for doing something they shouldn't, I could find you a pastor that hit the local news for doing something he shouldn't. So let's, let's quit demonizing child welfare, humanize them. I would go as far as say they're a hero. I don't know if you know their role, guys, but like sometimes at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, they're like knocking on doors. Or there could be large animals, drugs, alcohol, weapons, whatever, on the other side of that, sometimes with police escort, sometimes not, to remove a child from harm's way. I don't know about you. That's how I would define a hero. And they're not in it for the money. Okay, can we just... Okay, they're not in it for the money. They're in it because they want to help kids. So church, I believe it was this wise man that said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. We're not perfect, they're not perfect. They are mandated to be law and, and protection. The church is mandated to be family. And if we can get those two roles to connect for the sake of the kids, can you imagine what we could do for these kids? Agencies, you know, we have an agency lifeline that will be working with you guys. They're one of the top in the nation. Top of the nation. We don't, Backyard Orphans does not license families. Uh, your, your local uh, child welfare does, and then Lifeline. And then missions, local, global missions efforts. And we all serve the church. That's the picture there. So where does this come from? It's not a social movement. It's in James. James chapter 1, verse 27. It's a gospel movement, okay? Uh, so if you have your Bibles open to James chapter 1, 27, you're going to want to highlight this one. If you have an app or some sort of device, you're going to want to like click that one and highlight it in a good color right there, all right? Because this is important text. Like throughout scripture, there's different places that talk about this thing in orphan care. You know, you can go back to like even, you know, Adam. He didn't, God didn't want Adam to be orphaned by himself, so he gave him a spouse, Eve, right? Then later in Exodus chapter 2, we kind of joke that that's like the first foster care placement. He was taken out of his home, put into government care, government housing, government education, government cheese, okay? Like he was given the whole works. And then later in his story, he had some trauma. He acted out. He killed somebody, okay? He was a runaway. Like, it's a pretty real, but God said hope for this orphan who was put in government care, Okay? That's a, that's a different sermon next time. Okay, we'll talk about that. Exodus 2. Mephibosheth was an orphan. Esther was an orphan. Proverbs, Psalms talks about it. The New Testament talks about it. Right here you see religion, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that first line. Religion that God our Father accepts. The, the Father language there is, is the writer James is trying to remind us, hey, remember you were adopted. You know, around this text, you see that um, you know, faith without works is dead, okay? So when you're living out that faith, let's start at the most simplest thing, taking care of orphans and widows. Because, see, you were adopted into a family that you were not born into. You, In fact, you were orphaned because of your sin. You fall short of God's perfect love. Whatever you, sin is just falling short of God's perfect love. Whatever you, if you've thought something, said something, done something that's fallen short of God's perfect love, then that sin separates us from God and we're orphaned. 
God knew that. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to knock that wall out of the way so that we can have communion with him, koinonia with him, right? And so he wanted to call his sons and daughters and give us an inheritance. But that sonship, that daughter that comes from the father was not meant to be kept to ourselves. That's the vertical part of the cross. It's meant to also be lived out that whatever happens in here has to go out there. It can't stay in the four walls of the church. And that's the religion that we're living out. That's the actions of our faith. That's the gospel right there, the cross. It goes on and says, uh, pure and faultless. Guys, this is like the most pure thing we could do. And, 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 but what is it? Okay, let's talk about pure. Cause sometimes I think like motive, like, um, why are we doing this? Why, why am I doing this? Well, I was angry uh, first time I made that phone call to the child abuse hotline. I was angry for two things. One is a dad. I couldn't believe this dad would beat his daughter. That was one of the first phone calls I made. And I was, it was like ugly tear-filled anger. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just like so angry and you're on the line and they're asking all these questions. And you're like, I can't believe his dad would do this. Okay. So I was angry. I was angry at this dad. I was angry at myself as the church. I was like, why? What is my, I, is this when I'm done, when I hang up the phone and I'm just done? That doesn't feel right. So anger was a motive for me. Uh, sometimes the motive can be fear that if the church doesn't step in, other groups will. That's real. It's a real fear. Maybe it's pain. Maybe there's an abuse from your, you know, lifetime or, or miscarriage, things like that. That's your own pain. And that, that turns your ear and makes you want to get into this space. And God was just showing me, Eric, I might've gotten your attention through one of those exterior motives, but that's not pure religion. I was like, okay. And so I said, I want you to get closer to where pure religion was. And somewhere right about here, I thought it was about the kids. Okay, we're doing it for the kids. Listen, if I put my hope in the child that I fostered, our first foster care placement, when, when that child walked in and he was so tear-filled because we were the enemy and we pulled him from his mother, if I put my hope in that child, when he walked in the door, my hope walked out. A hope cannot be in the kids. That's too much weight for them. Pure religion is the cross. We are going to be challenged often on what is the motive that God is calling you to do, be involved in this space. And it has to be that we were adopted when we were unadoptable. Then you see that concept, it says to look after their distress, okay? So you're like, okay, what does look after means? The Greek phrase looks like this. It, It actually means you get down on knee, eye to eye, and you look in these child's world And you invite them into your world and you into their world. That's what looking after means. See, somewhere we thought writing a $30 check once a month was going to fix the global orphan care crisis. It hasn't. That's one part. That's like entry level. This verse is telling us to go deeper. To look after kids. And then to find the actual distress. Not what we think it is. What is really going on? In every state I go to, you know what's going on? They need more families. Kids are sleeping overnight in child welfare offices. They're, they're getting bounced around in homes because, you know, for temporary placement because there's not longer term placement. You, you see what I'm saying? We need families. That's the distress. So when you look at this storyline, you got to understand the full, like, distress and storyline. So let's look at this upstream opportunity, right? So we go all the way upstream in this conversation. We say, okay, life begins at conception. It's all the way up there, okay? And life matters at all stages in this story. 
But after Sanctity of Life, the church forgot about those families that we were helping. And we picked them back up when it came to human trafficking, homeless, and prisons ministries. Okay? Now, the bio parent, you see the bio family on this little timeline. That's important. One of my first uh, encounters with this part of the gospel was uh, I was holding this little infant who was starved till the, almost to the point of death. His kidneys almost failed. His eyes sunken in. His little you know, um, limbs were just so skinny, joints swollen. It looked like a child you'd see on the other side of the world, and that was right here in the U.S., and I held him. And I just had so many emotions going through my body, right? Let me tell you one of them. About here to that front row was the biological mom and dad. Yeah, I found my dark side in that moment. Right? When you know the story of this child, and you know that his parents like starved him, he almost died, and his other brother and his other sister, and you're holding one of them, and the parents right there, and you're just like, yeah, God, I understand how your eyes burn with fire. I get that right now. But I also need to get how Jesus died for them too. Ooh. This is hard. This is really, really, really hard. And this is the gospel. That we get so bothered by that moment that we do something. And then when we do it, we do it with kindness and grace and hopes of reconciliation and restitution the biological family. And then kids in foster homes, temporary, institutional homes, that's because their behaviors are a little intense and they're not ready to be placed in a family yet. Adoptions, permanency, aging out, or 20,000 kids in the system annually who age out. That space of foster care right there is feeding the other places. I didn't know this, but over 80% of the kids trafficked in the U.S. come from foster care somehow. What? Most states determine the amount of beds in prison on the number of kids in foster care. Homelessness is fed by this. Addictions, pregnancy out of wedlock. Are you hearing this? We've got to get back into this space as God has called us to do. So, so, so what does that look like? Okay, so let's look at this little grid here. We call this the grid. Everybody say grid. Grid. Okay, still with me? I know it's deep. It's heavy. I know, I know. Okay, so this idea is like, okay, well, okay, well, I'm with you. I feel like I want to do something, but I don't know if I can foster adopt. That's okay, because listen, 20-something years of ministry, I've come to a place that I realize not every adult should reproduce. <laughs> right? Okay? Therefore, not every adult should be a foster adopt family. But everybody's called to do something, so what's the something? This gives the something. So you see the different columns there, but then let's go to the rows, one, two, three, four, across the left. Speak up at the top. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm advocating. I'm preaching. I'm t- we're teaching, right? We're, we're doing this thing. We can also pray and speak up. We can actually advocate by speaking, you know, becoming casa and all these other different things and speak up. We can go a little deeper and say, okay, I also want to go deeper. I want to do concrete services, diapers, backpacks, bicycles, beds, right? food, whatever. I want to go a little bit deeper now. So some of you guys are like, I want to go deeper in this thing. Provide relational support. That's like discipleship, mentoring, maybe some classes or whatever. Maybe it's a support group. But then there's some that are ready to open their home. This is 24-7 discipleship in your living room. This is bringing hurt, pain, and chaos into your living room, in your home. This is putting you and your family on the cross and dying to self 
daily and multiple times a day. It's not easy. But these kids need homes. But these kids need homes. And so you got this big conversation. Then we kind of narrow it down right inside of Renewal uh, Church here. The next one shows, like, what's been building behind the scenes. They call this a circle of support. Okay, for every foster dot family that signs up and, and, and gets involved in this, there's a circle of support wrapping around them. So I'm going to pick on pastor. So maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't know. They're on this journey right now. Okay, so let's put pastor right there in the middle. We're kind of praying. I'm, I, I feel like I need to tell you what we've been praying. 20 families, you know. That might not be today. That might be the journey here. But we want to see 20 families get involved in this space. So they're one. So now we've got 19 left. So we've seen 19 more families, okay? Who'll give me 19? Who'll give me 19? Who'll give me 19? No, I'm just kidding. So I've never done that, but I might use that again sometime. That's fun. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> that's great. Oh, it's funny when you make yourself laugh. Okay, so in the middle is Pastor Caleb right there and Haley. They're going to need support. And so are those other 19 families on the journey. So he flew me all the way to Dallas to say, support your pastor. I'm just kidding. No, no, but it's him and the other families that are going to get involved here. They're going to need a prayer team. This is not lay, lay me down to sleep type prayers. This is like warfare prayer type prayers. When I dug into this stuff and started praying over kids that were in our home, whoo, I had to like walk that line of going, okay, I'm getting loud in my prayer, but they got to go to sleep. So how, you know, and I'm praying chains to be broken. I'm praying for their mom's life to get right, their grandma's life to get right. I mean, it's deep, you know, like, and you start learning the drugs, the alcohol, whatever's going on, and it's generational sin stuff going on. You better learn about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, prayer team's no, no joke. Meals team, uh, child care team, and then an advocate that kind of bridges uh, the agency. Um, and I see Brooke in here. Brooke, wave your hands in the air right there. There's Brooke with your agency. So the advocate would kind of help with Brooke and her team, who's the licensing group. So that's that picture. Let's go back to the scripture in the text right there. So it says to look after orphans and widows in their distress. But I kind of skipped over orphans and widows. So let's back up just a tad on that one. I'm not saying that all 400,000 kids in foster care are orphans. That's not true. But I am saying that all 400,000 kids in foster care feel orphaned. I mean, I've never been removed. I might have been lost once or twice, you know, growing up. But not removed. And that lonely orphan feeling. And we don't want those kids to, to live there. We want them to have family. And when I started understanding the orphan, the fatherless, the, you know, all, the sojourner, all these concepts, it just started popping out of the scripture. I couldn't read the Bible, sing a song, hear a sermon without it like popping off the page, right? And that happened too in other things like when I was looking for a yellow Jeep. Uh, you know, maybe less kids than I have now for a two-door Jeep, you know, whatever. But there was a point when we had two kids. I was looking for a Jeep pretty much like this. And uh, big tires, lights on top, a winch up front because it's a ministry, guys, right? You can pull people out if they get stuck. <laughs> See, yeah, my wife left too. Okay, so I didn't get that two-door Jeep. But you know what started happening? I saw Jeeps all over the road, right? Blue ones, black ones, big tires, mail truck tires, you know, all these other kinds of like Jeeps all over the road. And I, it just was overwhelming. It also happened when we were moving into the minivan world, right? It was a dark day that day. And minivans were everywhere, okay? That happened with the orphan thing, too. In fact, listen, I'm going to kind of ruin you on purpose here, but, like, the Disney movies tell the orphan story, like, 140-something. They might be up to 150 uh, characters that have the orphan story. I'd like to think God's trying to get our attention through Disney on going, hey, these kids need the church. 
okay? It's in superhero movies. I'm Batman, right? He was an orphan. Remember his story? It was the anger and those emotions. He needed some trauma care, okay? Yeah, um, so did, uh, you know, the greatest superhero ever was an orphan too, you know, Superman. No, no debate? Okay, all right, because, listen, I know he was an alien, but he was still an orphan, okay? So just work with me. The the media also shows flow, f- shows like Instant Family or the one coming up for here for the holidays, Buddy the Elf. That's our family favorite, right? Buddy the Elf. You remember his story? Like he snuck into Santa's little bag right there, and then he realized, you know, was raised by Santa and the elves, and he realized he Santa's not his biological dad, only his adopted dad, and he wanted to go find his adopted dad. So I'm going to show you a, a quick clip of when, Buddy met his biological dad. Yeah. Mr. Hobbs? It's me on the intercom. Go ahead. Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. He did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> And, um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow. That was weird. (laughs) Usually guys just, uh, you know, put my name in the jingle bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you. And, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, Buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. It's okay. Walter's my father. <laughs> well, your dad's busy right now. Okay, I'll come back later. Yeah, you know, you're not going to come back for a while, okay? You're going to go back to Sandland. Okay. Yeah, why don't you go back to Gimbals? Yes, love Buddy right there. We, uh, I took that clip all the way to it, and he was being tossed out on the street because that's what happens. These kids, if we, the church, don't step into the space while they're in care, that's where they end up most of the time. So let's get back to the scripture and land that plane right there. You know, it says, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's a whole sermon series on how the, the world pollutes us, right? The enemy uh, the devil, our flesh pollutes us. Um, but I think in this space, sometimes the pollution is we thought this was somebody else's job. It's that family's job to do this. Uh, they are the ones. And, and I think what God's trying to say, no, it's us. We are called to do this. I think another pollution is we just look at this as another ministry. It's not just another ministry. This is a mandate. Like It's not an option for the church. We, we get to and have to do this. So the question isn't if you're going to do it, it's what is God calling you to do on that grid? We're all called to do something. 
backtrack a little bit. You know, I talked about those 90 days where there were uh, no kids waiting for an adoption in our county, right? This little picture of these two little girls, uh, what happened was there was, uh, these two girls became available for adoption, so our 90 days got cut off right there, right? And so we were like on mission, and we're like, I got permission, which doesn't always happen, to show this picture uh, and to tell their story to pastors in our county and our community, and uh, in November uh, is National Adoption Month. These pastors showed the picture, told the story, and said, we need some families from our county uh, to adopt these young little girls. And so churches did that. About a dozen families signed up. About a dozen, or half a dozen families finished the journey. And as God would ordain it, uh, all the parties chose one family that actually attends our church. And so their first, one of their first Sundays, I got to snap this picture, this next picture, uh, of me getting to hang out with them. And it was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And about six plus months later, I got to go to the courthouse to see their adoption get finalized where their name is not just changed on earth, but their name is now being changed in eternity because a family said yes to a blind step of faith. Without my prompting, the, the, the judge let me come up behind her there and snap this picture. And she, as I'm taking a picture, she says, who's going to support this family after they get adopted? And all these people raised their hand. That picture is filled with people from our church, the government, the agency, community friends. Because we understand it doesn't just take a village to raise a family. It takes a church to raise a family. This family is thriving now. They're just minding their own business on a Sunday morning. Thought they were done didn't see this one coming and God spoke to their heart and they knew they had to be obedient and take a blind step of faith why is the church so poised for this call because we get adoption so the first opportunity I want to put in front of you is spiritual adoption right I'm, I'm the guest like I don't know how long you've attended here I don't know if you're right with the Lord. If you're not, I just want to provide an opportunity for you to get right with the Lord, to receive that adoption. You've heard me explain it. It's really as easy as ABCs. A is accept, B is believe, C is commit. Accept the fact that we were all born with this desire, this propensity to sin, to think, say, or do things that fall short of God's love. Accept that. You're not perfect, okay? Be believed that God knew that and sent his son to die on the cross for that so he could have relationship, father-son, father-daughter relationship with you and then see, commit your sin. Say, God, forgive me for doing this. Forgive me for doing that. Forgive me for doing this. Forgive me for doing that. And you commit that sin at the foot of the cross. And then you commit for the rest of this day forward that you'll walk and live for him. And tell others about this adoption. Every head bowed, eyes closed. If you're online, you can close your eyes, bow your heads with us here, pray with us. Listen, I don't know where you are in your adoption journey with God. But if you know you need to recommit it or commit it for the first time, we want to pray for you. So in a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So I'll count to three. And I just want you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. One, 
two, three. Thank you. Anybody else who'd say, that's me. I want to raise my hand. I want to recommit my life. Anybody else? Okay, do this. Everybody pray with me here. Say, Father, to everybody in the room, Father, thank you for giving your son to die for me. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to walk with you, to learn more about you, and to tell others about you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, whether you raised your hand or not, or you're online in the room or online, please come talk to us in this room in here. Come talk to me or Pastor Caleb. You'd make our day. We, We actually prayed that you'd be here and that you would respond if that's what was in your heart. And if you're online, just make sure that you're talking, you know, in the chat right there and you talk to our team and they'll they'll talk to you as well. But cuz here's the thing, guys, the greatest thing we can give you is Jesus. And we just been doing that. The second greatest thing we can give you is us. You can't do this orphaned. You need a family to do this journey together. So let's talk about the next opportunity. That's if you're interested in fostering or adopting if you're interested. I'm not saying you're going to do it today and you're going to sign and then, and then all of a sudden all these kids are going to run out of this curtain and you're going to take them home today, okay? That's not how this works. So just kind of, okay, I'm glad he said that because I don't know what was going to happen next, okay? No, that's not how this works. I'm just saying if you're interested, if you're interested, then raise your hand. Raise it high, okay? All right, one, two, three, four, five. Anybody else? Six. I'm sure there's some online, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I'm just kidding. I can't see them, so. Sorry. I've never done that, but I thought that was fun. Okay. Hey, raise your hands again. Let me see who you are. Let me see who you are. Okay, I'm going to ask you to be bold. Uh, can you stand to your feet for me? I know you hate me already. It's okay. Now, you already told me to raise my hand. Now you're making me stand up. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you're interested. Pastor, go ahead and stand up because I want, I want them to see you guys. Okay, so right here. Okay. Hey, this is not easy. You understand that? I'm so sorry. Stay standing. Stay standing. I'm sorry. I forget. I, I'm the rookie. I'm the new guy. So I forgot that you guys, my bad. Is there two, two families up there? I see that. Stay standing. Okay. Listen, uh, everybody else in the room, go to the next slide. This is you. You got two options. You foster, adopt, or you support. So we're going to start supporting you. Go ahead and stay standing there for a second. We're going to support you right now. Okay. The prayer team starts now. Because I promise you the battle is starting now. And the battles are won in prayer. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against the bio parent, the child welfare, or Brooke's team in the agency. She's not the enemy. The devil, the enemy, he's always the enemy, okay? Can we, can we stretch out our hands and pray for these that are standing up and start this journey right now and asking God to, to intervene and help? Father, they need you. They need you. They need you. You care more about these children than we do, but God, you've called us to be Jesus with skin on and to step into this hurt and pain and chaos and bring that into our world. But God, we're so under-equipped. We need you. I pray that you would equip every man and woman who's standing up right now. Help the preparation journey, Father. Help them to go on a journey 
that is not going to be easy, but it's going to be hard. But God, it never compares to the hard that these kids have experienced. We are not the Messiah in this story. You are. And we just want to be an example to them of what it means to love big. Be with these families. Help them in this journey. Get kids into their homes. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The pastor's going to talk here in a minute about an opportunity for those that stood up or even support team to go into a, a meeting, right? A little, a little follow-up so you know next steps. Everybody say next steps. One of your next steps is I need your help, okay? Partnership, right? I can't do this by myself. Uh, we, we, need, we need your help with awareness. Churches need to know about this. You might know other pastors in the community that pastor can connect to, right? So help us in the, the next slide there. Help us with uh, bringing awareness. One more uh, right there. There we go. Uh, and then all of our social medias, which is the next slide, is like at Backyard Orphans. So Instagram, uh, um, you know, or Facebook. Our website is just backyardorphans.org. We, we do a newsletter. You can sign up for our newsletter to keep in touch, right? So keep in touch with us. The next thing you can do is pray. Um, when you see a thousand kids finding homes, that's not because I'm smart enough. I truly believe it's because God's big enough. And I believe that it's, it's, it's God using his people to pray for our team, about 15, 16 people around the nation that are involved with our ministry. So I, I have our little, we're missionaries, so we do prayer cards. So there's prayer cards that we'll have out at our booth. Please come and get one. You put them on your fridge, be praying for us. We also need financial partners that partner with us on a monthly basis or a one-time gift to help us go reach the next church. Help us go equip the next church and to do this again so there's more families, all right? We couldn't do this without you. Pastor, thanks for letting me uh, come and speak. So give it up for your pastor here. Altar team, you guys want to get in place? Yeah, I just want to emphasize for you guys who raised your hands and if any of you who really want to... Um, Support. I was telling the church earlier, you guys know I have four kids already, and that's my fault, okay? I understand how that works. Um, I get it. I'm just hoping that you'll be, like, gracious enough to help me in my misery, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing, obviously. Um, but if you want to support um, us and other families and the church who are already fostering, um, I want to encourage you to go to the meeting in the conference room. If you don't know where that is, our ushers will help you get there. Ushers will you wave. They'll, they'll point you in that direction. Um, and, and Haley's back there. There's food. There, there's some kind of food, some kind of snacks or something. I know some of y'all will do anything for food. So there it is. Donuts. Bread's at donuts. And so that's right after this for 20 minutes. Give Haley 20 minutes of your time and we'll um, connect on how we can take steps forward. If you go ahead and stand to your feet, we'll get ready to close. Our altars are going to be open. If you prayed to receive the Lord today, we'd love to pray with you in the altar. If you're struggling with any kind of anxiety, depression, sorrow, We'd love to pray for you today. In any sickness, we'd love to partner with you and just believe God to heal your physical body as well. And so as I pray um, and conclude, the altars will stay open. So Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would, that you would empower us, convict us, that you would use us um, to bring healing and solution to this issue in our community. Lord, we ask that there would be more godly families step up and begin to labor get our hands dirty to advance your kingdom in this way father it's our church's heart and we pray all the time that you would rid us of selfishness god 
Lord, we don't believe that the gospel is about us being comfortable. We believe the gospel is about us getting free from sin and being adopted into your family and living selfless as Christ Jesus lived selflessly. So we ask that you'd use us, God, in Jesus' name. Use us, God, in Jesus' name we pray. And let every saint say amen.